Welcome back to the couch, everybody. Very exciting episode today. We have a guest. Coach Eddie Morrissey is back. Last time he was on was over the summer. He was the O-line coach at URI. He's now the O-line coach and co-offensive coordinator at Merrimack College. So we talk about how that transition's been for him. We also talk about the new NIL rules and how crazy the transfer portal's been so far this year in college football and a couple of cool coaching stories from his career. Side note, and kind of a funny thing, Eddie has actually been staying at my house while I'm at school. You guys know he's good friends with my dad. He's been at my house because Merrimack College is so close to my hometown, and he's still looking for a place to live. So he's been crashing in my room. We joke around a little bit about that. Just to remind everybody, Eddie's been coaching since 1989. He's been at places like Austin P. Bryant, Princeton, Fordham, Oregon, UMass, Northeastern, Brown, Marshall, URI, and now Merrimack. So a guy with just a ton of football knowledge, way more than I could ever dream of having. So it's just awesome every time I get to talk football with him. Big thank you to Eddie for coming on the pod. He'll definitely be back in the future. So without further ado, here is Coach Eddie Morrissey. What's up? I thought you'd be in my room wearing my PJs or something. Where are you at right now? I mean, I I can't can't do that. Your family kicked me out. No, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. They didn't. I had a hard time. I was like, I, why do I have to have Jordan's room? Why can't I just have your bed, Jay? And he's like, uh, well, that's my bed. And I said, all right, well, I'll take Jordan's, which I actually love your bed. It's great. It's a great setup. Yeah. It was like, uh, uh, it was like, like we were um, connected in some weird way. I know. Did you wear the PJs? Top drawer, right? Yes. I don't tell anybody. Just keep that one between us. <laughs> Perfect. I will. Well, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, we are happy to have you, and I think some congratulations are in order. You, yeah, man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah you recently uh, accepted a new position as the co-OC and O-line coach at Merrimack College. So, congratulations, man! Big news. How's it been so far? It's only been what a couple weeks, right? Yeah, a couple weeks. Um, it's been awesome, though. I work with some great people, and uh, I got a good buddy that was on staff, so. Him and I calling the offense together will be a uh, a great thing. So something I've been excited about and love my time at URI. But you know how it is, man. Got to make moves, do what's right for you. And um, yeah, it's been awesome. Just a great fit down there at Merrimack. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you've been all over the place. So um, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, literally everywhere. Uh, but what's it what's it going to be like for you? You think now going from O line coach pretty much your whole career to now a co OC for the first time. <laughs> I would think you're going to be getting to work with different positions now than you had before a little bit more. Probably going to be talking to the QBs a little more, maybe the running backs, the receivers a lot more. So mm-hmm. how do you think kind of your background with the offensive line will help you work with new positions like a quarterback, for example? Uh, that's a great question. I've, I've, I've been around a lot of great people in the profession. And uh, Ainsley Rosenbaum, who's the co-OC, you know, he'll deal with the quarterbacks and the wideouts, but we're in it together. Like he coaches my guys, I coach his guys. And again, it comes down to relationships. I know you and I have talked uh, talked before, and I think the biggest thing you can do is get along with the the kids, mentor the kids, and it doesn't matter. I've, I've had experience coaching running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. I've done all those things. So for me personally, it's just a relation-driven business. And the profession that I'm in is – mentoring and educating um you know young student athletes and having those relationships with them so i don't really think it'll be a um a big transition personally all the knowledge that i have all the knowledge ainsley have we combine it and uh 
you know, we'll be off and running. So I think uh, it, it'll be a great thing. And I embrace it. So now I have my hand in more than just the run game. It's protections, it's screens, it's pass games with Ainsley and from everything, from cadence to tempo to everything with the offense. But it's things I believe in, things I've done before, and things Ainsley and I have talked about for a long time. So really excited about the opportunity to, to be more invested in the offense, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you're going to kill it. Uh, you, you talked about you talked about relationships a little bit. I, I want to talk yep. a little bit about recruiting and kind of the whole landscape of college football overall. Obviously, mm-hmm. last couple of years, we've had a, a bunch of big changes come through the NCAA with the new NIL rules, the new transfer mm-hmm. portal. I mean, you got 18 year old kids being offered insane amounts of money to go play at some of these schools. Right. You have you have guys who who play a year or two at a school and then get offered more to go somewhere else, and they do. Have you seen any of these effects and these new rules firsthand yet? Do you think it's just more prevalent at the Power Fives? How mm. have you how have you seen it play out at non-Power Fives uh, in your experience? And then I'll ask you about the big schools after. Um, I see some of it. My uh, two years uh, at Marshall, you see it uh, a little there. Uh, not as much as you would at the power fives. And I'm sure it's gotten bigger there since I left. Um, not really at the FCS level of schools I've been in, um, but you, you hear about it being in the profession. It's a, it, it definitely affects, you know, college football, you know, and there's yeah. the haves and the have nots. And I think it's, should kids get paid? I mean, obviously they should. That's the rule right now. I don't know how you govern it. I don't know how you change it. I don't, you just got to roll with it right now. And the, the transfer portal, um, I mean, I go back and forth in that. I know that it's a great thing for, uh, your program that you're in right now, right? You get, you bring in a kid and it, it may, it may fill a, uh, a void and, and you're able to get a kid with a little experience, but it definitely affects the high school, uh, athlete. So you're able to get players that maybe you couldn't get before because they're still available on the signing day. And I think it's kind of a trickle down effect, but I've been firsthand where I've had kids poached and they go to the higher level and you spend time recruiting them, developing them, and then you lose them, but they get a better opportunity, a bigger opportunity. And it's, uh, you have to embrace it. And then I think in the recruiting process, you have to be positive, go back to the relationships because you never know when you're going to come across that kid um, and his family at another school, a transfer opportunity. You just, you never know. So, to me, you can't be negative um, at any point. And I've always said it, and I learned it from uh, Don Brown. I mean, you, how you're recruited is how you're coached. So being upfront, honest, having those relationships, I think um, it'll help you in the long run and it'll yeah. pan out. But it's definitely changing landscape, man. Yeah, I, and I think it, it kind of seems like to me the original goal with NIL was to allow players to make money off of things like being in commercials, having their own clothing brands, shoe deals, you know, a YouTube channel, whatever it may be, a cut from the jersey sales. I think that stuff was the original idea, and everybody seemed to be kind of on board with that. Now it seems like it's gotten pretty far away from just being that, and at some of these schools it's like, okay, let's just pay this kid whatever amount of money we can to get him to come play for our program. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, Washington State's quarterback this past year, Cam Ward, a couple months ago got offered over a million dollars by 10 different schools to transfer. And that was, right. that was before he even entered the portal. So right. it doesn't, it doesn't really seem right to me. It doesn't feel like recruiting. It kind of just feels like paying people. Uh, I think most people agree that the players should be able to receive some sort of compensation, yep. but 
what's your opinion on on the big schools and is it good for the game bad for the game does it not matter we and we just have to accept it what do you think about it as a whole I mean you bring up some valid points so do I think kids should get paid I mean really doesn't matter what I think but I do think they should get paid how do you go about it being fair I don't know because it's going to be like anything else some have it some don't some can afford to pay the kids some can't and those guys may lose out so and I don't know how you regulate it. Right now, it doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason. If you're a big school with a lot of money, great. If you're a school with not a lot of money, then you're not going to get those kids. And I do I do think, personally, I haven't been there at that major level during, um, you know, during this. So I don't really know how to, like, what my thought process would be unless I was really in it. But I think it has to affect your team. It's got to affect your locker room. You know, when am I getting that money? How come he's getting that? How do I get this? You know, I, I just think it affects it, honestly. And I don't know how you, like I said, regulate it, but it's here. It's not going anywhere. And you have to try to um, either accept it or be gone from the profession because it's not going anywhere. I do think you have to try to change some things. I don't have that answer. It'll be interesting to see, you know, to some of the bigger schools get in those conferences and say, hey, we're going to go away from the NCAA and kind of do our own thing? Or do they say we come up with some different rules? I don't know. It's interesting. But I do think you have to have some regulations and you got to – I think you got to change it. I don't know how. I don't have that those answers. I'm not that smart. But I do think you have to have something different um, in place, some different rules. Yeah. I, I definitely think it seems to hurt coaches at these Power 5 schools who – aren't the Alabama footballs or the Duke men's basketball team who yeah, are right. like like a St. John's or a, a Seton Hall who's got to compete with those guys but doesn't maybe have the, the same amount of support from the boosters and stuff like that. So um, it definitely a, gets... Let me ask you, Jordy, as a, as a – sorry to interrupt you. As a young person, right, what do you think when you talk to some of the athletes? And I know you probably see it a little bit of Fairfield, but, you know, yeah. what, what are they what, – what would your thought be on it? I think – that the players should be able to do all the things that I mentioned with commercials mm -hmm. and shoe deals and anything like that. But when it comes to the boosters, it just gets really hairy. And like, I don't know. I think it's really hard if you're a coach and a team to recruit a kid for his whole high school career or her hi whole high school career. And then, you know, you're trying to build a culture and you don't know if that kid's going to be there for one year, for two yep. years, for three years, for four years, whatever it is. So I, I think they need to put a limit on the how much you can offer someone because some of the some of the big schools just dominate with that stuff. But I don't know. Yep. I mean, I don't have the solution either. It's it's a crazy time. I will say at the smaller level, right? Let me just take URI, and I lose. Um, it was before I got there, but you lose a tackle. He goes to Oregon. Great for him and his family. Whatever the dollar amount was, he made money to go there. And that's fine. No problem. Everybody's doing it. But the way I look at it at Rhode Island is, okay, you get a kid, you develop the, that kid or that player. Like I said, he was already gone when I got there. But now you take another kid and you're coaching him. You develop him for two years and he leaves. It's almost like, okay, we, are, uh, we have to come up with a new roster every year. You know, like um, in some ways, like a prep school or a junior college, where you're not helping the guys leave, but you have to like uh, redo your roster every year. 
So, okay, I lose three linemen. Great. How are we going to replace those? And you just have to have a board constantly going of, oh, do you think so-and-so is going to leave? Yes. Okay. Who are we going to replace him with? Are we going to go two portals, one high school kid? And you just have to have it on your board. And I don't think you can take all portals. I don't think you can take all high school kids. You have to have a blend um, to help your program. Yeah, and it, it, it also gets weird because it's like you're obviously trying to win games the whole year and you want your players right. to play well. And then if they play too well, you're like, oh, well, now I lost my quarterback because yep. he's getting he's getting a bunch of money to go somewhere. I do think what you said about the kid who went to Oregon is a fair point because I don't think anybody's blaming the kids, right? Like, obviously, <laughs> you're going to take the money, whatever it is. You're going to do yep. what's right for you and your family. So I'm I'm all for the players. I'm, I'm with you. I think there needs to be some changes um, and hopefully, you know, the transfer portal kind of quiets down over the next yeah. few years. <laughs> I hope. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. getting a little crazy with some it of those. It is crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I'm about to graduate college, right? I'm looking for a job, about to yep. enter the workforce, yep. uh, become a contributing member of society, right? <laughs> and I, I kind of, I, I got to thinking every profession, right? Whether it's math teacher, whether it's you're trying to go work on Wall Street, whether you're trying to become an actor, Every profession has those couple of people who make it to the very top. And then everybody else in their profession that's not in the top kind of looks up to them and says, man, I want to do what that guy did or what that that girl did. Um, like, I have a bunch of people who I look up to in sports media that I try to emulate and learn from all the time. And I would imagine yep. you have a few of those guys as well in coaching that you have a ton of respect for. And I heard that you met someone recently who might be one of those guys with the former Patriots O-line coach, the legend, Dante Scarnecchia. So, oh, man. No, yeah, don't, don't, don't give us all the secrets here, but, I mean, what was that inter- <laughs> no. interaction like? Were you pumped to see him, firing questions at him? Do you get starstruck? Uh, I mean, how was the whole thing? Um, it, it's just incredible because, I, obviously, I, I go back, and I'm a Patriots fan. Like, I'm a diehard everything New England, right? And, you know, I, I grew up watching the Pats, and um, as a fan – I, I knew who uh, uh, Coach Garnecchia was, obviously, and what a tremendous job he did. But then when I got in the profession, I would always watch his clinics when available. I would listen to him speak when available. Um, I've had the opportunity to go to clinics in person and hear him speak. And I've always just uh, admired him from afar and believed in what he was teaching and just thought he was really passionate and uh, got his guys to play hard. When you put the film on and you watch it, they just play hard. So I was able to meet him at the golf tournament, um, alumni golf tournament at Rhode Island. And then uh, Coach Fleming, the head coach at URI, um, provided me with his number. Um, we had talked a little bit, and he said, reach out when your season's over. Um, actually, it was a summer. Reach out in the summer, but I, I was gone the, the week he was available. So I, I just stayed in touch. I shot him a text, and, you know, he got right back to me. It was And it was unbelievable just um, – you know, the, the communication with him, it was like, you know, want to get together. Uh, I'd love to have you come down, blah, blah, blah. And then um, I actually met him at his house and, you know, just like me and you talk and I go in um, and we sit down at his kitchen table, like a guest coming into, you know, like me going to the dire home, man, and sitting down at the kitchen table and, and just sitting there like family, like I've known the guy for 50 years. It was awesome. And, you know, me personally, I had an agenda with questions, and I just wanted to go right down the list. I had a couple things off the bat, and then we kind of went through. We had his computer, and we're sitting there at a laptop going through it together, and it was just uh, 
for me professionally, it was great because I'm always trying to get better, always trying to learn, always trying to, you know, what's a new technique? How can I do this? How can I get better at this? Struggling on this? What do you think? And we were going through it. I was asking questions. I was, you know, standing up, moving a chair around, having him, you know, demo a little bit. And it was uh, it was really good. I, I mean, it, it went on and on and on. I mean, it was, you know, three and a half, four hours of of just going through schematics, going through individual fundamentals, techniques. And it was just awesome. So I stay in touch and there's things that come up and I'll shoot him a question. Hey, in this five man protection, what do you think? Six man pass pro just things that come up with, with every day, you know, coaching. And it's, it's awesome to have a resource like that until, you know, he doesn't let me do it anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say pretty cool, pretty cool guy to have in your back pocket. Yeah, some that's a nice resource <laughs> until I call him and he's like, who's this? You know, no, I'm just kidding. No, he's awesome, man. Down to earth, tremendous human being, like unbelievable. Yeah. What's he like? I mean, is he super intense? Is he cracking jokes? No, he's just he's serious he, he's, all the time. What's going on? No, I mean, we, we were on like a mission to get some things done. So he's definitely yeah. serious. Um, he's definitely got a, he's so humble though, man. You walk in, it's like, you know, talking to your, you know, older brother, your dad, your grandfather. I mean, he's just like a, down to earth, family guy, committed to football, loves football, all about the game. And he's great about sharing and trying to get guys or helping guys get better, um, you know, that want to, you know, use use uh, information that he has. So for me, it was just how the thing that stuck out to me personally was how humble of a dude he was. Just a great person, humble and uh and, and, and awesome was sharing his, uh, his insight into, you know, the questions that I had, but very humble human being. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I I'd be, I'd be texting him every day. Just asking him. Yeah. About I know Brady if I do, if stuff. I do that, I know the number's going to give Hey, I'm going to block <laughs> this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of legendary coaches, you mentioned earlier, you used to coach under Don Brown back yep. in the day at yep. uh, Plymouth state. I know you were just a baby back then coming out of college. If my math is right, but, for yeah. me, like when I think of Don Brown, I think uh, the crazy guy on Michigan sideline calling yeah. the defense. You were obviously around him way before that. You know, can you think back at all to any of those days? Do you have any Don Brown stories, or could you just tell us what he was like and what it was like to be around him on a daily basis? Yep, what you see is what you get. So uh, my my fifth year, he came in as the head coach at Plymouth, and I was doing my student teaching. And I just had reached out. I was going to be a student assistant with the, the previous head coach. And then I reached out to Coach Brown, and he, uh, he sent him a note, letter, and I met with him in his office, and he said I could stay on as a student assistant. So I did that. And then I left and went to Springfield, and then I reunited with him three years later. So that would have been 93 season. And then the 97 season, I was with him at Brown. And then the 2000 season – I was with him at Northeastern and then we went to, uh, you know, UMass together, but I've stayed in, uh, in touch with him. So I think it's a total of eight or nine years that I work with him and uh, was on some great staffs with him. We had some great players. And the thing that, that he does uh, better than anybody I've ever been around is he gets the kids to buy in and play incredibly hard. And what you see is what you get. So as far as getting kids just to, to play their ass off, Jordy, I mean, I can't say it any other way. They show up, they play hard, and they'll run through a wall for them. And if you ask, uh, ask the kids, they say the same thing. They love them. And really what, it's, what, what he was great at, um, 
because they knew he cared about him so he could coach him hard. You know, and I think that's something that stuck with me. And I always thought I was going to be a high school teacher and coach. I was going to go to Nashua. I was going to coach, teach, run the weight room, assist in the weight room, whatever, do two or three sports and just be a high school coach junkie of it and uh, teach PE and live happily ever after. But he got me into the college game and how much passion he had. And it's why I chose this profession. It's why I stayed the course with that. And, um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about him, man. He he is a wild man. He coaches hard and gets after you. But at the end of the day, he gives a shit about you, your family, the kids that he's coaching, and he makes everybody around him better. Tre- tremendous human being, great coach, but he coaches hard, man. He gets after you. Yeah, that, that mustache, man, reminds me of my, my old guy, ah. John Varney, yelling at me. Do, ah, I love it, John Varney. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about John Varney the other day, man. You know, I think the knee problems that uh, I have and your dad has is because of John Varney and all the duck walks. So I try to come up with a lawsuit, but I don't think uh, it's got to be the statute of limitations, right? That's got to be over. That's gone. There's no evidence. You, you can't There's prove no it. There's no evidence what John would say, too. And then John would just look at me and say, you're so soft, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell you to roll over while you're doing it, too. Yeah, right that's the- right. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh could you tell being around Don Brown that he was going to go on to become as successful as he ended up being? Is it, is it tough to tell that stuff? Obviously you're not thinking about it while you're there. Uh, you know what? That's a great question. Cause you know, yeah, he went on to, you know, Maryland, Yukon, BC and, uh, and, and Michigan, but he was already successful. So yeah. when he came into Plymouth, I uh, turned that pro- we were, we were good at Plymouth and then he took over and, uh, and made it into a great program again and um, was great there. And then, you know, was graded uh, Brown as a defensive coordinator. And then Northeastern, I mean, when we took over there, they were a struggling program with some great players and we turned it around. And, you know, he was obviously the head coach. And I told you we had great staff and guys worked hard and we had great kids and he got them to play hard. So I've always seen the success and been a part of it with them and saw it firsthand and what we did in the off season um, and how hard we pushed those kids in the off season, fall camp, in season game day. I mean, I, I knew, I, I didn't know like he was going to go to a, you know, another level. Um, I just thought he'd keep coaching and being at UMass and get opportunities. You know, that was still a little bit early. That's before, you know, all the internet stuff, but I knew wherever he's been, um, whatever he's been able to do, whether it's a position coach, coordinator, head coach, he's always been successful, always be successful. You know, whether they have the wins and losses at UMass right now, I mean, do I think they can get there? Yes, it's tough. They're not in the conference. They're, you know, playing, you know, many tough games. Um, but they're trending upward. And if anybody can do it, he can do it. So, yeah. You mentioned how good of a, a motivator he is and how, how he gets everybody to just play their ass off. It seems yep. like the new thing nowadays in the NFL, at least, is everybody wants to find that genius offensive coordinator, the guy who just knows X's and O's better than everyone else. But mm-hmm. I, I, I still think the motivators and the guys who get you to play hard, guys like Dan Campbell for the Lions, will always be important in football. Do you see yep. with, with new coaches coming in and, like, younger guys, do you see that – do they have that? I mean, is that is that type of coach getting phased out a little bit with this younger generation or what? Um, I think it's all how you treat the kids. I mean, I'm older, so, 
some of these guys are, you know, getting jobs at, you know, 29, 30, 35 head coach. And I get it. That's, that's the, the world we're in. But I think it's all how you relate to kids. You can be old and relate. You can be young and relate. Um, I think there is some of it where, you know, kids are awesome on, you know, the computer, the younger guys, um, I can hold my own on the computer, but I'm not like, you know, some of these whizzes that come out. And the other thing that they, you know, when I was coming out, you had, you know, the show how old I am, but you had all the VHS tapes and plugging those in and that's what you were using as you film, you know, but yeah. now you can just go on online, find anything. You can, all the cutups that you have in your, on your video editing system in the football office. I mean, it's just endless cutups, endless film. And I think guys get better that way. I still think it's, Mastering your position. Um, for me, I've always wanted to coach the O-line, and now I'm in a new role. So for, you know, for me, I, I'm now watching things that I didn't always spend time on. I'm watching wideouts and, you know, tight ends in the pass game and, you know, running backs in the pass game. So I'm spending more time with that and getting better at that because I'm spending more time. So I think, to me, it's not an age thing. You know, I just had Dennis Goldman came up, and he visited with us at Merrimack. Dennis is a longtime assistant in the FBS level, we worked together at Princeton. He was at Syracuse back in the day, coaching Marvin, Marvin Harrison Sr., who now has Marvin Harrison Jr., who's an incredible player. But we were we were just talking yesterday, and we were going over wide receiver play, techniques, fundamentals. And you talk about a guy that was so detailed. He pulled out his computer, his PowerPoint. Um, he just went through everything, nuts and bolts of it, stance, starts, get off, stock block, route running, catching. Um all of it. And, you know, we spent five, six hours together. He's helping train a, a, young, a younger guy that we uh, we hired at uh, Merrimack, who's tremendous. But that's an older guy right there. But he's forgotten more football than most guys will ever know and still relates with with players. So you ask a great question and I know it's long winded, but I don't care if you're young, old. It's all about how you relate to these kids. Can you get them to learn what you're trying to get them to learn? Can you get them to execute? Can you get them to play hard for you and your program? And that's a fine line. Like I've been around guys that are so smart, Jordy, and they're great. And they couldn't motivate me to do anything. And then yeah. I've been around guys that just, you know, have a combination of both. And I think it's, I do think it's important. I don't think you can just be, Hey, I'm this X and O guy, or I'm just this, you know, um, you know, master motivator, a guy that's just going to yell at you. If you're going to yell at kids are going to tune you out, man. So yeah. You know, people come to practice, Jordy, and hear me, and they're like, man, he gets after those guys. But they don't sit in my meetings. They don't see how I am in the meetings. They don't see the relationships that we have on and off the field. To me, you can coach a kid hard, but he better know. It goes back to what I said about Coach Brown. He better know that you care about him, love him, and, um, you know, how you treat him off the field is is important because then they then you can coach him hard. They know you, they know you care about him, and then there's that trust that you build with him. Long-winded, but great answer. That was awesome. Thank you. That was that was great. Uh, I want to talk a little NFL, and then we'll get you out of here. We obviously both grew up in New England uh, at different mm-hmm. times, but both huge yeah, Pats fans. Huge yeah. Pats fans. Does it piss you off to see Mahomes winning this much? Do you respect it? Do you try and downplay it in your head? Tell you tell yourself he'll never be Brady. How does it go for you with Mahomes and all this Brady talk? So uh, I watched the Super Bowl with your dad. He screams at the TV, man. He loves. Oh yeah, he's a loud guy. Oh, he's screaming at it, and he's like, because he was rooting for the 49ers, and I, I, I can't root for the Niners. I just can't, I can't do it. So, and I found myself rooting for the Chiefs, 
And Brady was so good. I don't think we'll ever see seven. If it happens, great. I think it's great for the game. I think Mahomes is incredible. Like, I love Brady. Like, I, I love everything that he brought to New England. And I'm a diehard fan like you are. I, I love him. Um, but I also think it's good for the game. And I, you can, you can try to compare him. Like, right, but right now, Brady's got seven. And Mahomes has got what? Three? Three got three? Yep. So he's got four more to go. And if he gets it, great. Then you can have that conversation. But he's just such a winner. And he's competitive. And I think it's great for football. So the I comparison, like, obviously the Brady guys are going to say there's no comparison. I do think there's a comparison. They're, they're, they're both great. So it's an awesome debate to have. But sometimes stupid, too. It's like, okay, they're both great. Now what? You know, but I think – Mahomes, if he continues to do what he's doing, it'll be uh, it'll be a conversation that we have all the time, like uh, Jordan and LeBron, which that's yeah. another one we can have. <laughs> oh, I, I I never watched MJ, so you, you probably know who I'm going for there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. You'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah, I I'm more with you than I am with my dad. My dad just hates the Chiefs and hates Mahomes with everything in him. And it stems from we're from New England and we're Patriots fans. And how can I root That's for this right. guy? You know what I mean? Right. And and I get that too. Diehard fan. Like I get it, but I, I'm more with you. I think they're both great players and I do think it's good for the game real quick. This yep. Pat's past season was awful, but yep. silver lining got the number three pick. Do you have your eye on hmm. anyone? Yep. So, I would find a quarterback in free agency, and I would take Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he's incredible. Like, just why? You know, have I watched every game? No, I just think that guy is like a generational talent. That guy's unbelievable. So I think okay. he makes, especially in the NFL, you can't put hands on him. Good luck. I think he'll make every catch. He'll make the team better. And then you got to find a quarterback that can get him the ball. But that guy's unbelievable. I, I would be like all over that guy to have that pick. So okay. Okay, Coach so Coach Bale, if you're listening, pick Harrison. Who are we signing? We want Kirk Cousins. We going hard for him? I I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who you can get like that. I don't know, but I think you got to find a free agent. I don't know how I feel about that. I think you don't want to run I it think, back with Mac. It seems. I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like that ship has sailed. You know, maybe with some new blood and some new coaching. You know, maybe you can get something out of him because he did have a really good rookie year. But as a ship sailed, I don't know. I think if, you know, if we could get him back and, you know, you think he can do something great, I don't see it right now. I mean, I wouldn't. I'd try to find a quarterback in free agency. But, you know, who do you get? Like you said, Cousins. Like who else is out there? Who else can we get? I I don't think there – I mean, Russell Wilson maybe. I don't, no. I don't love the options. Like I would take a QB. I think in the NFL you draft a QB – Every time you have a top pick until you get it right, until you know, okay, this is our guy for the next 10 years. And, like, like if we take Harrison, let's say we even sign a, a decent QB like Cousins, right? Where is yep. that getting us? Like, what are, we, what are we doing? Cousins retires in three years, and now we have Harrison <laughs> and who? Now now what? I don't know. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know. Can you get to the playoffs with Cousins and um, Harrison? I, I, yeah. I don't know. Is Cousins going to be the answer? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. But I is he better than a rookie that you bring in? Yeah, you know, I, like I think I, he definitely is for the first year. But but wouldn't you rather develop a guy and have him for 10-plus years than just, you know, three years, and now you have Marvin Harrison, who 
you know. I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe you find a free agent and then you find another free agent and then you just keep finding those guys. I don't know. I just feel like this guy is too good to pass up. Like I, I put my stamp on it. And then, yes, you got to find a quarterback. I'm not dumb. I know that you need to have a quarterback or your team stinks. I totally get it. But yeah. I think the route I would go would be Harrison. And then I'd say, okay, man, we got to have an answer at Q. So let's find it. And if you don't yeah. find it, then you look stupid. So that would be, then that would be a bad take. I hear you. I mean, then there's a lot of people with you. I personally, I can't do another year with Mac and Zappy. The platoon, I can't do it. I'm over it. No, 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 no. no, no. I don't want to see it anymore. So no. I, I, I want to find a QB. But why, uh, why can't you root for the Niners? What's wrong with the Niners? I mean, you know, I just can't. I can't do it. I just, you know, I grew up and I watched the Cowboys, you know, more. I mean, obviously, New England wasn't in the playoffs a lot when I was growing up. You know, there were a lot of lean years, so to speak. So, you know, when the Cowboys were in it, I would root for them. Um, and, I, they, you know, and that I was like when when Joe Montana hit Dwight Clark and the Cowboys lost, like I wasn't happy with that. So for whatever reason. I like them offensively. I just never really got into them, and I'm just not a not a fan. And plus, it was good. I could I could root for the Chiefs. Your dad could root for the Niners, and I could watch him scream at the TV. So it was great. It worked out <laughs> awesome for the Super Bowl. My dad's gonna. But he yells. To- he was yelling now, man. He was yelling at the oh, TV. Pissed oh off. yeah, no, he's that. He acts like he's a fan of of wh- yes. whoever it is when he's not. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. insane. He's going to have to pull over in his car when he hears that you say that you like the Cowboys. He absolutely despises them. That's even better. I mean, I got to be careful because I still spend a lot of quality time at your house. So hopefully he doesn't, like, change that code on the garage. It'll be America's team. Who made you America's team? You're not America's team. Why? That doesn't make any sense. It's like, Jesus. We get it. All right. Uh, So funny. All right. That's all I got for you. Thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully have you back in the future, right? Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime. Appreciate you. You're awesome at what you do, Jordy, and I love you. So anytime, man. I'll always get on here for you. All right, awesome. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right, brother.